Hey, Yak, welcome back to another Quarantine Podcast, episode 30. So occasionally I throw out my favorite players who have ever worn 30. They should be yours today if you're a Texan. Best number 30 of all time, in my opinion. It's the great Nolan Ryan pitcher for the Rangers. It's occasionally the Strohs. Oh, good stuff. So yesterday we covered the love of God. We're continuing the love of God today. And yesterday we focused on um, how we reflect the love of God. How we're called to love others. How love is more of a verb than it is a noun. And contrasting it with the culture. And I used this quote yesterday and it's going to kind of lead us into today's discussion about what love is. And this is it. His love may be like ours love in some respects, but in other respects, it is unlike ours. Most significantly, our love is marred love, a flawed and blemished love. Our love is always and everywhere tarnished by sin. That is why it is fatal to think of the love of God as a mere extension of human love. But what is the big difference between the way that we can express love and the way that God expresses love? And it comes down to this, and that is the love of God above all things is holy. It's holy. Now, holy is used two ways in Scripture. So we need to kind of, what do we mean by holy, right? So the, the primary way that the word holy is used in Scripture is that it's transcendent or different, or other, right, than creaturely things. Think of when Moses went into the wilderness, he saw the burning bush, and the Lord said, take off your feet, for where you are standing is holy ground, it is transcendent, it is other. And we call the holy land, the holy land, not because God's people dwell within it, but because it is the place in which um, God has revealed himself to mankind. So when we think of holy in this sense, what is added to it is not a people, it is not um, some creaturely other, but it's the fact that the presence of God has dwelled within it. The second most frequent use of the word holy in Bible comes to purity. And we see this when God calls us to be holy, to be a holy nation, to be a holy church. And that is we are to be cleansed. We are to be made clean. And when we are in Christ, we are made what? Holy. Um, But God's people are holy because he is holy. So we are the mirror, right? Um. We are not able to mirror his transcendence, though. Can't, because we're creaturely. But we are called to reflect his purity. So when we say that God's love is holy, we mean that he is both a transcendent love, other kind of love, and a love that is absolutely pure. We mean both of them. So this can go too far, though. So philosophers, especially in the 19th century liberal theologically camp, they began to use this concept of God being holy, W-H, 
H-O-L-L-Y, other. Not just holy, H-O-L-Y, but holy, W-H-O-L-Y, other. And this is this idea, I'm, I'm, this is a big philosophical concept that I am making overly simple, is that as God is so holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, other, that we cannot explain or make statements about him. And this quickly morphs into pantheism, this idea that we, we are so inept, right, that we cannot understand who God is. And therefore, we cannot have a meaningful conversation about him, right? But we can't do that. I think they go too far. And I think the Bible says they go too far. We must insist that God is other. He's transcendent, but he's not holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, other. When we speak about God, we must recognize that to an extent, there is an extent that our speech is anthropomorphic and analogical. So anthropomorphic and analogical. So what we mean by, that, that's a big word, right, middle schoolers? Anthropomorphical speech describes God in human terms. That's what it means. So we can only describe God in human terms. Does that mean that we can't describe God? That's, that's, what, they're, that's what those liberal theologians are saying. So think about it this way. When we read the Psalms, when we read the Old Testament, a lot of times it will say that um, he has a strong right arm, that uh, he sits at the earth as his footstool, and we describe him using those anthropomorphically, right? He doesn't really have an arm. He doesn't really um, have feet, right? We know him as spirit. But our language is used to describe something that is transcendent or other. And when we move to abstract language, like love, like we can't point to love, right? We tend to think that we've escaped the limits of this type of language. But the fact is we can't. We can't, ex- we can't escape this. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. Because we're not, we don't have to explain God clearly in his language, in his terms. Because God does not address us in his language. We can never understand it. Rather, he condescends or lowers himself to speak to us in our language. John Calvin used to say that it is similar to the communication we use with infants, right? We, we coo and we lisp to them in what we call baby talk. It's the same way with God. But that does not mean that we cannot speak about God analogically. And what I mean by that is that there's an analogy between who God is and who and what we are. See, a point of contact remains between who God is and who we are. Well, how do we know this? Because God has condescended himself and has offered and explained himself to us in Scripture. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in what? Our image, according to our likeness. There is a sense that we reflect God, but the only way that we can explain that is apropomorphic, I'm butchering that word, as man, 
speaks, and analogically in the sense of analogy. But Genesis declares that we were created in the image and likeness of God. And it is precisely because we are made in God's image that we know that some similarity exists between us. And it is this comparable image that makes meaningful communication between God and us possible. That's why we can talk about God's love. So why, are we do, why, am, I, why am I breaking down this difference that God is wholly other? while at the same time we can reflect who God is because of how he made us and through analogy. As we approach the love of God through the rest of this kind of study, we're going to approach it from these two angles. One, we're going to look at what Scripture has to say about the love of God and how he communicates who he is to us using our own language. And on the other hand, we're going to look at what the Bible says about human love sense. In it, we have an analogy of God's love. God uses human love to explain who he is. We see that throughout the book of Hosea. Honestly, you could say every book of the Bible, but I think most clearly in the book of Hosea and the end of Ephesians and the famous God is love in 1 Corinthians and also 1 John. We see these clearly laid out And God uses these images of human love to describe how he loves these people in analogy. We have an awesome God who loves us dearly. Love you guys. Hope you're well. Peace.